toleration be the love before pride and exaltation be the love be the love be the hope you are listening to be the love transcending through the shadows into a higher state of consciousness. We are souls on the journey, opening up the conversation to heal, awaken, and connect ourselves and the planet to a higher vibration of love frequency. It starts with you. Everything you need is within you. This is your time. I am Stacy Musial. And I am Sam Fernandez. And we are your co-hosts at Be The Love Podcast. Thank you for tuning in and ascending with us. Hop on board the Ascension Bus. Hello and welcome to another episode of Be The Love, Transcending Through the Shadows. I am Stacy Musial. And I am Sam Fernandez. And we are your co-hosts and souls on the journey. And if it feels safe for you, I'd like to invite you just to take a moment to get centered with us. I'd like to begin by inviting you to take a beautiful cleansing breath in through your nose and out through your mouth, releasing anything that is keeping you from being present. And take another deep breath in through your nose, breathing in calm, peaceful, loving energy, and breathing out anything you are ready to release. And take one more breath in through your nose. Breathing in light and love for yourself and breathing out the love and light and sending it to all of humanity. Remembering that you always have your breath to come back to. Today we have Nishala Joy Devi. Nishala is a masterful teacher, healer, and author. For many years, she has been highly respected as an international advocate for her innovative way of expressing yoga and its subtle uses for spiritual growth and complete healing. Originally trained in Western medicine, Nashala began to blend Western medicine with yoga and was graced to spend over 25 years as a monastic disciple and also blessed with teachings from the great yoga masters in the U.S., India, and worldwide. Through the, bo- through the books that she has written, including Healing Path of Yoga, The Namaste Effect, Expressing Universal Love Through the Chakras, The Secret Power of Yoga, Healing Path of Yoga, her Abundant Wellbeing audio, ser- audio series, and being featured in the documentary Yoga Woman, her dynamic delivery and deep inner conviction empower each individual, allowing the ten- te- teachings to expand beyond boundaries and limitations of any one tradition, enabling her to touch people's hearts. So thank you so much for being here today with us, Nashala. Thanks for inviting me. Mm. What a joy. Thank you. Such a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. And so I'd like to just start out with, if you could just give us a little brief history about what led you down this path. Brief, I don't think, but I'll (laughs) do my best. I was, as you mentioned, I was originally trained in Western medicine. And I think, well, like a lot of people that go into medicine, I think we went in 
to help people and to try to, in some, even the smallest way, alleviate a little bit of pain and suffering in the world. And became pretty quickly disillusioned with the way Western medicine was, but thought I could change it. And so I stayed for, for a bit. And um, I realized that what was missing was the spirit. Hmm. They, they, I think Western medicine does a great job in fixing people from accidents and uh, things like that that are immediate. But when it comes to getting to the root causes of disease, uh, there, there's no uh, understanding. So for me, it was very important then to take my knowledge of Western medicine and with yoga teachings. Because yoga to me was the main tradition that looked at everything. It looked at the body. It looked at the mind and emotions. It looked at the spirit. Whereas if we start dissecting them and put one here, one there, and one there, it doesn't work. We're not any one. We're wow. all of them combined. So to me, it didn't seem that it was possible to actually heal either the body or the mind without including the spirit in it. So for me, that's how I started on the path and then became more and more involved in healing from a spiritual aspect, not from the physical aspect. Mm. Yeah. That sounds really beautiful. It sounds like such a, a profound opening and, and path that has led you down, you know, where you know, the Western medicine is all about just that physical yeah. level. And, you know, it's great for, you know, that acute, the acute illnesses or broken bones, you know, things like yeah. that. But when it comes to chronic disease and in healing, there's, um, it's, that's such a, at a deeper level, which and brings us, they can't touch it. They can't touch that level because mm -hmm. they don't understand it. You have to get to the cause. If you go and you say, but why am I getting all these diseases? Mm. Why am I getting all these bladder infections? Why am I getting all these sore throats? Mm. There's no answer because they don't know, but you have to go back into the root. Otherwise mm. you continue getting the infections over and over. Mm. So it's, I, I think that it's important to keep the Western medicine, you have to join the two together. And that's what we did in our cardiac study brought mm. the two together. And when we did, we found that people healed. Mm. And at that point, what modalities were you drawn to that were helping people to heal? Well, our study drew on four different types of modalities. One was how people ate. And the other was moving the body somewhat into getting it into a rhythmical move. And of course, there was also the talking about your feelings. You had mm. to talk, you had to express, how do you feel? Well, it's not a good or bad, it's just how you feel. And then the fourth, which I was in mostly involved was, was the yoga component, where we did both physical, physical postures, breathing, deep relaxation, meditation, and we created an image of what people wanted in their lives and imagery. So that it was a very, very total. It was body, mind, and spirit. 
Mm. It was all of those together. And that's why people healed. Mm. That's how they healed. You can't separate. And that's what we're doing in Western medicine. We're saying, oh, okay, if you need it, get some psychotherapy. No, everyone needs it. If you go through a procedure, you need to get your emotions expressed. Mm -hmm. You can't just say, okay, put stitches in a bandage and I'm ready to go. Something else happened. And where was your spirit during all that? You have to bring that back in. So there's a lot of changes that have to come. Mm -hmm. A lot of changes. And it's coming slowly. Yeah. It's coming. yeah. So I'd love to start talking about your book, The Namaste Effect, because um, I know you write a lot about just the healing through the chakras and maybe what that has led um, people to healing on, on some of those deeper levels. It sounds like maybe bringing in spirit through through the energy centers. Um, I wonder if you can lead us through the different chakras and how to connect with that healing in those energy centers. I try to look for a picture. I guess we can use the book cover. Mm. So here are the different chakras and I have the namaste hands with the chakras. That's mm. why it's called. So the namaste effect, it was, um, uh, that name came to me one day uh, in meditation because I, I you know, and I think that probably people who are listening, you wouldn't be listening if you didn't have this feeling. But when I look at people hurting each other mm. and doing harm to each other for no apparent reason or manufacturing differences that we then hurt each other, I thought there must be a way of healing. What would be the way of healing? Well, if we all came from that namaste, which namaste for those that are not as familiar with it means when I am in the place of love and oneness and you are in the place of love and oneness, we are one. Imagine if instead of saying, I don't like the color of your hair, I don't like the color of this, I don't like the way you talk, I don't like where your parents came from. If we would walk up to people and say namaste, you and I are one. Hmm. Oh, that's my dream. Mm -hmm. That's my dream for the world. That, they, that we come from that place. That we look into a person's eyes and we see who they are. Who are you? Who's in there? Somebody's in there. That's the same as the somebody that's in here. Hmm. So that's where it came from, that namaste. And I thought if we could go past the periphery of the physical body, even past the mind, because the mind creates differences to the energy system in the body, the chakras, which all they wanna do is beam out love and compassion. Mm. That's what they do. So we can go through them um, explaining a little bit. As you can see, maybe you can or you can't, it starts out with red, then goes to orange, yellow, blue, green, blue, purple, and white. And what this means, it signifies, is the, the longest and, and um, most uh, 
I'm looking for a word that's not judgmental. Most, um, the strongest vibration, earth, uh, earthly vibration, is red. It's a very strong vibration. And that's why you see a lot of people, especially now, they're wearing a lot of red. It's very interesting mm. because they want to feel alive and, and, and full. And then it, it graduates, it changes. So it goes red and then goes to orange and then yellow and then green and then blue, purple and white. So we find that the vibration gets stronger as it becomes more physical. So when we look at, first, may I read you the beautiful way that Mahatma Gandhi oh, please. Uh, describes the word namaste. I honor the place within you where the entire universe resides. I honor the place within you of love, of light, of truth, of peace. I honor the place within you where when you are in that place in you and I am in that place in me, there is only one of us. Mm. Namaste. Namaste. That was very beautiful. You know, when you think of someone like Mahatma Gandhi, the simplicity of this man, that changed the world. He didn't have to say material things are not making you happy. You could see by looking at him that he was a glow and he didn't have anything material. So I think that we really need to look at these wonderful examples around us, whether living or now moved on to another dimension that inspires so, the chakras. Normally, I start at the top. And this is unusual. People start at the base. And why? Why do I start at the top? Who are we? We have to get back to that. And who were we first? Hmm. So first, we were a divine being. That's who we were. We were up there somewhere floating around, having a good time, disembodied. We didn't even have any restriction. And then all of a sudden, we got a little signal coming. Time to go back to earth. Come on, take all your spirituality, go back down. And where then do we come in when a body is being made for us, we come in through the top of the head. And we enter the world with the top of our head. The message is, mm. I am a spiritual divine being. Mm. And that's how I'm coming in. <laughs> head first. And not just head first, but our whole crown is wide open so that the light keeps beaming in. So this is why I honor this chakra first and foremost. It's the primary chakra. And then from there, it begins to move down 
until we are finally fully human Mm. as well as fully divine at the same time. So chapter seven or the Sahasara chakra signifies oneness. That's what it means. This is oneness. We are one with everything. When I am in the place of love and oneness, I am one with everything. And we talk about the Sahasara chakra propels us through the earth's portal to the heavens and beyond. It draws energy from the universe and infuses our being on a continuous basis through the knowledge that we are one. So what this means, because I, one of the things I love about the yoga practices, talking about yoga as a whole, I'm not talking about yoga as a physical practice, small part of yoga, is that it's not only encompassing to everyone, but it also is a little bit burdensome. Now, what do I mean by that? You can't just sit there and it be done to you. You have to do something. So if you hear this, you start to think, wow, I have a responsibility. I have to keep remembering who I am. Otherwise, I'm going to forget. And unfortunately, most of us have. So this is an opalescent white color. And from here, the different rays start to come. And the first one that comes next, or comes next, comes to this point right here that we often call as the third eye. <clears throat> it's called as the Ajna Chakra, the chakra of wisdom and knowledge. When I am in the place of love and oneness, I know everything. Mm. This is the chakra that knows. No doubt, no question, this knows. It's the eye of wisdom knows. The Ajna chakra offers us a connection to the heavens. This rarefied Ajna chakra or the eye of wisdom gives us insight and knowledge beyond the common comprehension, allowing us to know everything. Mm. Beautiful violet color mm. coming out of the third eye. A lot of people meditate in those places and they're drawn to that, they're drawn to have that meditation. Mm. Is there and a as it continues, go ahead, please. Sorry, go ahead. Is there certain um, exercises that you do at certain chakras to open it, like to open up the third eye? Is there? It's, you can't really open it, but what you can do is feed it the right kind of information mm. and spiritual food mm. that allows it to start to open. Yeah, and it's all in the book. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how much time we have, but um, yeah. there's, there's practices because if we don't practice, knowledge just becomes like a puff of smoke. It just mm -hmm. goes away. Sure. We need to... We need to harness it and practice it. We move then to the next chakra, the Vishuddha, the throat. 
understanding the high understanding and higher communication. Oops, sorry, I'm trying to see where this um, my the camera is here. <laughs> when I am in the place of love and oneness, I feel compassion and love. Oops, sorry, I, it's ahead. When I am in the place of love and oneness, I understand everything. Mm. This is the Vishuddha. This is the chakra of understanding. It mm. brings forth the element of ether. So this is the first of the earth chakras. The first one that actually, or not the earth, but the ones that have the element from the earth. These, no connection to the earth. Here, finally, we got a connection and it's ether. It's rarefied and moving us beyond the earth's jurisdiction to infinity. We are infused with the ability to understand that which the ordinary mind often does not. Mm. That's the Vishuddha. So if you really want to understand something, this is the chakra. And it's, it, it, the color is blue. And they talk about it blue, like the infinity of the sky, mm. that kind of blue. There's no boundary to it. There's no boundary to what we can understand. Matter of fact, in the Vedas, it has a beautiful quote, and it says, by understanding the one, you understand everything, mm. right? <clears throat> and that's, I think, a really important thing, because we run around trying to understand this and that and the other thing. If you sit, you understand everything, mm. you know everything, and that's very powerful. Beautiful. Please jump in with any questions that you have. Otherwise, I'll just go on. Um, and then we move to my favorite, the heart, the heart chakra. Anahata, a very interesting word, anahata. Anahata, you see the word hatha in it, hatha. And what it means is the union, two intersecting triangles. Oh, these aren't triangles, but two intersecting triangles come together. One points up to the heavens, one points down to the earth, mm. and they intermingle, which means we are both. And when it comes together at the heart, both our divinity and our humanity comes together. So when we express anything from the heart, it says this union. It talks about this union. It's very beautiful. Mm. The Anahata love and compassion, simple. The color is green. And how they describe the green is very beautiful. It's the color of green like the spring when it's being born. Mm. Just that whisper of green. It's almost like an aura on the trees. You can't mm. quite see the leaves yet. Just that aura, that's what they're talking about. Um, I'm, I have a question about that too, yeah. because uh -huh. I've also heard in recent years that the heart chakra can turn from green to pink and pink is, you know, when you're coming fully into that compassion for, for others and maybe in, uh, in maybe the terms of ascension. Um, and I'm wondering if you have heard that or if you could speak about that at all. I can hold that thought. When I'm in the place of love and oneness, feel compassion and love for all. 
The Anahata chakra represents the air element and ever present. It allows us to remember our essential nature as love and compassion. Mm. You know, I, I had a chart. Don't have it with me right this moment. Let me see if I can find. Oh, here's a picture. Can you all see this if I hold it up like that? Mm -hmm. Can you see that? Okay. Yeah. So what I'm going to get back to your question now. So what I want you to notice is here is the Anahata chakra. Okay. Mm -hmm. And notice there's three chakras above it and three chakras below it. So mm -hmm. it's right in the center. Mm -hmm. It is assigned the color green. However, when all the th these three, what I call the earth chakras, balance and the heaven chakras balance, something happens. The heart turns mm. pink. Mm. And the reason for that, can you guess? The full extent of love in, in yourself and in the oneness. Absolutely. And also, what color is this? The white. white. Mm -hmm. And what color is this? Red. Oh. And halfway in between, if mm -hmm. you mix white and red, mm -hmm. becomes Comes pink. pink. Oh. Isn't that oh, neat? That is beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. But oh. only when we're in balance. Mm. Only when there's balance. It mm. won't it won't turn otherwise. And mm. once it turns pink, it just holds a spiritual vibration. There's nothing else in it except spirit. Mm. Isn't that wonderful? That's beautiful. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So a pink quartz represents the heart. Mm. If you can hold a pink a, a pink quartz in your hand, a rose quartz. Mm -hmm. We used to do this with the cardiac patients too. We'd give them a rose quartz to hold. Mm. And it helped their heart. Yeah, oh, it's beautiful. beautiful. Yeah, so that's the that's the reason for it, or one of the reasons anyway. Mm. The fun reason. <laughs> so those are, I consider the the heaven chakras, and the reason I put the words heaven and earth is I don't like when when it's used as high lower. Mm -hmm. People say, "Oh, I'm just in my upper chakras. I don't want to be in my lower chakras." That doesn't work like that on the earth. If you're on the earth, you have to be in the earth chakras. You mm. have to have the desire to eat, to, to breathe, to live, to exist, to have friends and mm -hmm. etc. Mm -hmm. So it, what we're looking for, and this is where uh, often uh, it's confused because what we're looking for here is a balance rather than a negation of any one chakra. We're looking for a balance. That's what we're looking for. We want to com be complete and full. So the next of the first of the earth chakras we have, and I can't see it, but here as the Manipura chakra, which is the power and the intellect. When I am in a place of love and oneness, I am empowered and empower others. That's a healthy Manipura chakra. The Manipura chakra reflects the fire element, revealing the sun as the source of our worldly power. 
This fire gives rise to our ability to think and reason. It reveals the essence of our real power as benevolent and kind. Hmm. So the real, and we were talking just a minute ago about Mahatma Gandhi. He had a lot of this fire. Mm -hmm. It's transformed to do good. If it only does poor things or hurts people, it's never going to go into balance. Yeah. Yeah. So we need that power. We need to feel powerful. Absolutely. But when you really, really feel powerful, you empower other people. It's only when you feel disempowered that you try to take other people's power away. There's a wonderful uh, little um, vignette. I, I used to live in San Francisco and um, always enjoyed walking along Fisherman's Wharf. And if anyone's ever been to a seaside area um, where they have a lot of seafood, notice next time that if you look at the crab pot, which is huge, Sometimes they're four or five feet high and probably three to four feet wide, filled with crabs, live crabs. If you watch, you'll see something fascinating. Hmm. If one of the crabs starts to get out, climb out, they don't put a lid on it. Because if one of the crabs starts to get out, the other crab will take them by the leg and pull them back down. Oh, interesting. We call that crab pot mentality. Instead, if someone's trying to get out, give them a leg up, mm-hmm. don't pull them down. We want to see other people succeed. Mm-hmm. We want to see other people do well. Celebrate. That's, that's exactly, that's the balanced Manipura chakra. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's who do they think they are? I'm better mm-hmm. than them. I should have gotten the promotion. I should have gotten the girlfriend, the boyfriend, the whatever right yeah and recognizing that we are in a culture that um there's always more than enough and you know believing that you know we all can be successful there's enough money enough success enough you know people friends love you know everything is abundant and when we tap into that i think that's when we can really help empower ourselves but empower others as well and celebrate our successes but you know, most people don't believe in abundance. Mm-hmm. They believe in lack. Mm-hmm. I need to take that last one because there may not be any more. Mm-hmm. I mean, just the idea that people were hoarding toilet paper. Right. I mean, it's just unbelievable to me. Instead, we, ha- we actually had someone in our building, amazing. We live in a, a condo complex who left little, this is the very beginning of the pandemic, they left little um, bags, uh, Ziploc bags with five masks and five pairs of gloves and a little note, please wear these to keep everybody safe. They just gave them to people. Everybody Mm -hmm. had it at their door. That's what we need to think of ourselves as we, not I. And this chakra has a tendency to be an eye chakra. It's all about me. So Mm. we have to really get to the essence of it and realize it can't be just about me because if I'm unhappy, other people will be unhappy. Mm -hmm. If other people are unhappy, I have to feel that. I know that I feel their unhappiness. 
So this is, this is the way we have to change. Mm -hmm. We have to really understand the power that we have, even in saying good morning to someone with mm. a smile. Yeah. Picks up their day. Yeah. It may be the only thing someone says it's nice to them all day. Right. Absolutely. There's so much, you know, and that idea or that, you know, community and unity. There's, you know, women, we become, you know, focused on community. There is more unity and in, in that oneness. Absolutely. And and then, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about the, the feeling of belonging, yeah. um, which is a really huge thing, you know, that comes from that place of um, empowerment as well. And we all need to belong. Mm -hmm. We all need to feel useful mm -hmm. and that we belong. Yeah. And um, can I tell you just a little story? Absolutely. Very Please sweet. Um, there was a, uh, I, I'm a big fan as many people are of, of Mother Teresa of Calcutta. Mm -hmm. who, I don't know if she sainted yet, but she's close to in my heart, she's sainted. Mm -hmm. Whether the uh, Catholic Church did it or not, I don't know. But um, there was one, one of the nuns in her uh, organization was very ill and had been ill for a long time. And um, she, all she could do was lay in bed. That, that was her, she was that sick. And one day Mother Teresa came in to see her and she said, how are you today? And, and she said, you know, Mother, she said, I've been laying here for so long. She said, I think it's time for me to just die. And Mother Teresa said, well, why would you say that? And she said, well, I'm not being useful. I'm taking up food and a space to sleep and the air to breathe. And I'm not doing anything. You all are out serving, serving, serving constantly. And it makes me feel really sad. And Mother Teresa sat up straight. She looked at her and she said, um, what are you doing while you're lying in bed? She said, well, I'm praying. Mm -hmm. Mother Teresa said, for whom are you praying? She said, for all of you that are out working. Mm -hmm. And she said, Mother Teresa said, that's how we can do the work we do. Mm -hmm. Because there's people like you generating prayers and energy and sending it to us. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. This is what we can do. Even if we think there's, I'm helpless, there's nothing I can do. You can always send out good thoughts and prayers. And don't feel that that's not enough. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that's the best thing somebody can do. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I, Our, uh, I love that, uh, you know, the point that you just made because, you know, we are talking about, you know, the solar uh, plexus chakra and, and, you were saying, you know, it can be a very selfish um, chakra, but there's also, you know, guilt is just as selfish as, you know, taking too much, you know, taking too much um, and also feeling guilty of taking anything at all. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it, it is, mm -hmm. it, it's still, you know, uh, 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 I don't want to say negative, but, you know, a, a darker side of, of selfishness. Um, and I think that, gets missed um on a lot of people me included that you know if i say like like you said you know i don't want to take the the last you know piece of bread or i don't want you know because what if there is no more and you think you're doing something good 
you know but like you said if 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 you do really um believe and embrace the abundance well now if you're hungry and there's one last piece of bread you feel confident enough to take that bread because more is on the way you know and it's it's the same thing for um you know spiritual growth and uh you know for for me anyway i do struggle with um taking care of me you know mm-hmm. taking care of me you know i i you know i'm kind of one of those people that you know you're really good giving advice but you don't take your own advice that kind of thing right and uh it, it does have a lot to do with guilt you know why why should i you know why should i take when you know i'm i'm good at giving or you know this person needs more than i do um mm-hmm. and we can it's 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 definitely a double-edged sword and that's something that we can take to extremes to where we completely go just without and then you know mm-hmm. resentment starts to build and guilt starts mm-hmm. to build and yep. um yeah yep. i just i i love how you brought into you know taking too much and not taking enough are one in the same you know mm-hmm. and and if we do um um you know link up to people and if if we do become one there is no too much and there is no not enough right yeah. It just is. So I just, yeah, exactly. I just wanted to, uh, to mm-hmm. kind of touch on that. And I, I do really appreciate how you were able to bring both sides of the spectrum on that. Thanks for expressing that, Sam, because, you know, I think people tend to think that when we get spiritual, I'm putting it in air quotes, spiritual, mm-hmm. that what happens is we, we have nothing for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And It can't be true because if we don't take care of the instrument, like you, didn't you say you played guitar? Did you Mm -hmm. say you played guitar? Well, can you imagine picking up the guitar and playing it without tuning it? It would sound terrible, right? right? It would sound absolutely terrible. So if we don't take care of the instrument, that's our bodies and minds, and then we try to play that, in the world, it sounds terrible. And we do start to resent. Well, how come they got it? You know, I was I was praying for them and now they got better and then they're off to have a good vacation and I'm stuck at home still, mm-hmm. right? Because we haven't fed ourselves. And this is something that I really saw as a healthcare pr- practitioner for many years, that the burnout rate is so high because when we go into it, we see people much sicker than ourselves. So for instance, I may have decided to see some clients this morning and I have a headache. I ate something or slept through and I have this splitting headache. This client comes in and they start telling me how they have back pain, this and that and this and that. And I'm sitting there thinking, yeah, well, I don't feel so good either though, right? So what happened? What happened in that scenario? I forgot to take care of myself. There was nothing to give. There's a beautiful quote that I use all the time from the Sufis. It says, never give from the depth of your well, only from the overflow. Mm -hmm. And I think that says it all. If you're not full, 
and you try to give, it looks strained. And then you lose your temper or you say, oh yeah, well, what about me? I don't feel so good either. Or, well, you know, I'm sitting here listening to your problems. Who listens to my problems, right? It's because we're not fulfilled. We're not full. When full, you just come in and it just, it just overflows. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a real issue today. We don't understand the difference between taking care of ourselves and being selfless. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a big difference. But if you don't take care of the instrument first, if you don't tune that guitar, no matter how great a musician you are, it's going to sound terrible. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing with our bodies, don't you think? Absolutely. And I think a lot of times, you know, because we, we have such an epidemic um, in our country, in the US and the world, you know, where uh, anxiety and depression are on the rise. And when mm. we don't, mm. when we don't take care of ourselves, when we're giving, 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 and we're not going within and, and feeling and taking care of what needs to be taken care of, we tend to um, suppress all those emotions and they, they express yep. themselves as anxiety and depression. And, and yep. so it's such a and worse. Mm-hmm. Yep. The next chakra we come to is what we call as the Svadhisthana. And the Svadhisthana is for creativity and relationships. This is a key. When I am in the place of love and oneness, I am creative and embrace loving relationships. Mm. The Svadhisthana chakra reflects the water element We are reminded that life ebbs and flows. It guides us in creativity and in our relationship with others. Mm. So this is again, a very important one because what has happened very interestingly that I'm observing in our society, especially the United States, uh, let's, let's take it away from the rest of the world because I'm not sure it applies. We don't seem to give very much credence to creativity. We give a lot of credence to the rational mind, to the logical mind. But if someone says they're an artist, they say, well, what do you do for a living? Mm -hmm. Instead, to me, the artistic community, the creative community, is what sustains a society. If you look through history, if you go to a a large art museum and it has the different historical periods, you know what was going on in society by looking at the paintings. You could tell what was happening there. And the same with music, the the different musics that evoke different uh, emotions. Some are more requiems, some are more joyful. And But what we've done is we've really scored that in our society. And it's it's a shame because I think that everyone, especially children and teenagers, really need to have this creativity, Mm -hmm. need to have the ability to uh, express themselves creatively. Otherwise, they're going to do something that may be more destructive, creative, but more destructive. So this, I think, is a very important one. And I think it also helps us in relationships that to know that 
it's not easy to have a relationship with another person. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of giving and taking that has to happen. And this is a chakra for that because it's water. It's a, it's a ebbing and flowing. It's a constant movement uh, of energy. Water doesn't like to be still. It likes to flow. Mm -hmm. It likes to be part of it. So um, the Svadhisthana chakra, very, very important. And finally, where most people start when they talk about chakra, I end. And that's with the Muladhara chakra. Survival and connectiveness. So what happens is when we come in with that energy, it then begins to make its way down. And that's when we start to feel our need to survive on this planet. Mm. When we first come in, there's, we don't have that feeling of survival. We, we don't understand it because all of our needs are being met. Mm. We're being fed, we're being clothed, we're being housed, we're being held. And we learn that when we don't have those things, how to ask for them mm. by crying. So the Muladhara, when I am in the place of love, love and oneness, I am one with Mother Earth. The Muladhara chakra reflects the earth element. It gives us a solid base and is a guide to our survival on Mother Earth. Mm. So it has all these things that we need to go forward on Mother Earth. How do we survive? It always amazed me um, that there's certain native peoples that can go and look at a plant and know the medicinal qualities of it. Mm. We have to go to the internet and we have to go to the internet and look it up. To them, the plants give them the information mm -hmm. that they then use to heal people. So we have to really go back into the simplicity of who we are so we can live fully from the spirit as well as the human perspective. It sounds like, yeah. So that's really... a, a thumbnail, Chris. Absolutely. And just um, connecting back to who we really are. And, yeah. you know, because when we do that, then we can do that healing work and use the, use the chakra, um, tap into the energy of the chakras to truly heal and you know become not only one within ourselves but one you know within the universe and so i'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about how and what you've seen with the chakras and how you've helped people tap into them um, to heal their own mental um, emotional spiritual and even physical ailments yeah, well, I was working with the chart for many years because they seemed like a wonderful system to be able to evaluate where people's diseases were originating from, from the physical, but mm. also very important, the mental, emotional, mm -hmm. and where they are distanced from their spirit. So it was something, and it, it was a very much in a... Um, the chakras to me are very much non-judgmental, mm -hmm. so they so you can use them without having to decide who's good and who's not good, mm -hmm. and if this is right or not. So there's different. Um, let me see if I can find a nice 
story. Aha. Uh -huh. So do you, you want something specific for, um, for healing? So I was working with this one man. This, I think this is a good one because the earth chakra, the muladhara is so um, poignant and, and it, they call it the muladhara for a reason. It's the base. It's the basis of who we are. And from there, everything grows just as this is, but also the muladhara. So this one young man came to me uh, actually with his mother, he came to take a seminar and he had very, very severe um, colitis. His, uh, to the point where he was uh, pretty much debilitated. Uh, probably was in Crohn's disease, you know, very severe. And he sat through the weekend seminar and then he said, I'd like to speak to you privately. So I said, fine. And he came back, we came to a room and his mother was hovering, she was very upset. He was very thin, very gaunt looking. He couldn't keep any nourishment. Everything mm -hmm. he ate just came right out. And um, as I was walking into the room, very interestingly enough, someone handed me um, a black rock. They just handed it to me. This is not black, but this is what, it, so I took it in my hand and went into the program, into the consultation. And we were sitting across from each other when it, with a table in between us. And I just took the rock and I just put it down on the table because I didn't really want to hold it. Didn't really think of anything about it. And the color for, so colon is considered part of the base chakra, the muladhara. It's the elimination. It's, it's how we let go of things in the human body. Uh, this is a chakra of elimination. And his elimination, he just was trying to get rid of things too fast. That was his issue. And um, so we sat and we talked and he was a little bit reticent. He was a little bit shy of talking. Um, wasn't a, a, uh, that kind of person, very private. And I was asking him some questions and I noticed that his eye kept going to that rock, right? And finally I, I looked at him and I said, would you like to hold it? And he said, yeah, I would. So I gave it to him and he was holding onto it like, like it was dear life, like it was a lifeline. And we talked more about different things he could do and how he could work with this, et cetera, et cetera. And he, at the end, I said to him, would you like to take it home? And he said, could I? And I said, absolutely. So he said, okay. And he put it into his pocket. Now this is significant because especially a man's pants, the way they have it, when you put it into the pocket, it goes pretty deep. And the vibration was very close to where the chakra would be vibrating, right? And so off he went and a few days later he called me and he said, you know, the things that you gave me to do were really great. He said, but nothing like that rock. Mm. He said, I kept it with me. I slept with it under my pillow. And every day I take it out and I put it back in my pants pocket. So there was something about the black that grounded him, that allowed him to feel um, part of the earth again, 
-hmm. was able to start eating again. Again, there are other practices, of course. A lot of deep relaxation, uh, connecting him again to the earth, um, some standing poses to help him ground in, pranayam. But it was the idea of the connection. It was, I, I would have loved to say to him, go out and put your hands in the soil. Hmm. Go out and dig your feet into the soil. Feel the earth. You are made up of earth. Hmm. That's really beautiful. We have, to, we have to draw in that earth to heal mm-hmm. us now. Mm-hmm. So I think the chakras with their elements. Now, if it was something that was more in the Swadhisthana, for instance, that was more of the lack of flow and the lack of um, the water element, I would have them do things like bathe, take baths, swim, uh, dance, mm. right? Move your f- flow, move your body with that. So I try to take the element and the essence of the chakra and then use it according to what the person needs. Now, also, you'll find that some people will become overactive in the chakra and some underactive. So some you have to actually help it cool and some you have to heat it up a little bit. Yeah, but that's that comes with trial and error and understanding mm-hmm. what you really need. Because right. he didn't need the red. He already mm. had the flame, the mm. fire there. He mm. needed the black to calm him down. And I think that's why a lot of people, to take it a step further with fashion, a lot of people actually wear black for grounding. They don't realize that that's why they're wearing it. They think it's fashion color. They think it's because you don't get dirty like in New York City, but it's really grounding. And if you, case in point, if you notice, people in cities wear black. People who are farmers rarely do. And we were talking about the native people a little while ago. You don't see them wearing black because they're with the earth. They don't need to connect. Hmm. They are already connected to the earth. It's just those of us that are that broke our connection to the earth that need to wear black again. Hmm. So um, very interesting too, because in the West, we use black for mourning. Whereas mm-hmm. in the East, they use white for mourning. And it's very, I think it's very telling because white means that they really believe they're going to the spirit. Mm-hmm. When you wear black, it means you're being put either in the ash or in the ground. Mm-hmm. So one believes in going onward and one believes that that's the end. And, and we wear the color. We don't even realize it. Mm-hmm. And the this is really a sweet little story. The idea of the little black dress that people wear to cocktail parties and things like that. It was designed by a very amazing woman, Coco Chanel. She was an absolutely amazing human and designer both. And she had, she actually helped women merge between the home and the fancy dresses and the workplace clothes. And she made it so it was compatible. Mm. And um, so one of the things that she did is she would design these beautiful clothes. And she had a, um, a partner, a lover, that she was so enmeshed with and so close with. 
and something happened and he died fairly suddenly. And she was still a young woman. And in that, she just put on black and closed up her doors and windows and that was it, she stayed by herself. And within a few months, her friends came to her and they said, look, this is not good. You're a young woman. I understand your loss, but you still have to be in society. You know, it has to go, life has to go on. And she, they said, look, there's a nice party. It's small, just a group of people that you know that's happening next week, please come. And she said, I can't go because I don't have anything to wear. I'm just wearing black. And they said, well, design yourself a beautiful black cocktail dress that you can wear to the party. And that's how the little black dress came in. It's <laughs> actually a dress of mourning. Wow. Which is very interesting. Isn't that fascinating? Very yeah. interesting because I think, you know, we, we do things in our, the Western culture and we don't realize why. Exactly. And we just continue to do them without questioning that. Yep. And this is something that we have to question all the time. Because to do something and not understand the energy behind it, we have to realize that when we do it, we get the energy behind it, whether we know it or not. Mm -hmm. So this is this is a very, very poignant point, I think, for that. And um, and I think of that a lot when I go to weddings or joyous occasions and I see people wearing black. And I think, hmm, no, that's not <laughs> yeah. the color of joy. Mm-hmm. Black is not the color of joy. Yeah. And I'm wondering um, if you could touch on a little bit. I'm just, you know, would love to hear your thoughts around like, because, you know, we're, we're all about being the love on, on this podcast and just sharing being love and, you know, transcending through the shadow. Um, and that, and with that concept of one oneness, you know, sometimes it's, it can be intellectualized, but, you know, to fully embody that, um, can you kind of talk a little bit about the, you know, universal love or oneness and beyond the ego, what that feels like and how we can fully embody that and, and truly tap into that place? Oh, boy. Well, it has to start with us. How you treat yourself is very, very important. And it's not about money. It's not about anything that is material. It's how do you speak about yourself? Do you speak about yourself nicely when you talk about yourself? Or do you say, you know, I did this really stupid thing last week. So if you're going to say that about you, imagine how you're going to talk about someone else. Instead, be compassionate. I did this. I really wasn't thinking. I don't know what happened. But, you know, these things happen. Everybody makes a mistake. And we just have to go on with it. That's the start. That's the beginning of how we treat others. If you don't have love and compassion for yourself, you can't have it for others. So beginning with that, and then realizing that you deserve something nice. Mm. Even if it's a bubble bath, 
even if it's a cool drink of water. It doesn't have to be expensive or fancy. Are you taking the time to really honor yourself in that way? Do you cook yourself? I hear people say, oh, I live by myself. I never cook because it's just me. No, it's not just you. It's you. <laughs> Pretend that you're cooking a grand feast for somebody else if that's what you have to do. We had some friends over for dinner and they said, oh, you're lighting candles for dinner. I said, we light candles for dinner every night, even if we have burgers for dinner or oatmeal for dinner, we still light the candles because it changes everything. So starting out with that, and then pick people that it's easy, to, nice to first. That's what I would don't go for the hard ones yet. Pick the ones that are easy. Oh, she's easy to love. He's easy to love. Okay, I'm going to love. And I'm going to see how much I can love them. And then you start expanding outward. Well, huh, that person just fell. I'm going to go over to them. I don't think medical, but I could at least say to them, are you okay? Should I call somebody? How can I help? So you start to expand out slowly because if you wake up tomorrow morning and you make a commitment that I'm going to love everybody in the world today, it's probably going to fail within the five, first five minutes of making the eviction. I say start slow. Be kind to yourself. When you brush your hair, brush gently. When you make the bed, fluff the pillow. You know that when you come in the night, to go to sleep, there's a good vibration in that pillow. Mm. And then you see that with someone else. And maybe, uh, I, you know, I love these stories here. And there was one not long ago that happened on the New Jersey Turnpike. Someone was paying the toll and they said, oh, you know, pay for the car in back of me, mm. right? And it started a chain that went on for two and a half hours. Mm. Why? Because it feels so good to do that. Mm. So what is it? 75 cents or a dollar? Just pay for them. Mm. And the, the toll taker was astounded. They had never seen anything like that for such mm -hmm. a long period of time. So that's how we begin. It's small things that we do. It's, uh, you know, love and compassion is not trite and it's not for a few. Mm. Everyone has that capacity. Absolutely. Everyone has that capacity. I just actually, I was uh, writing in my new book and I just came across a, a, it was actually a true story and it touched me so deeply. It was about um, a woman riding on the New York subway and she was tired. She had worked all day. She was on her feet all day and real. And she was tired, she wanted to get home and she was dreaming about taking a warm bath. And, you know, I, and this little girl came up and she said to her, uh, hello. And she said, oh, hello, how are you? She's good. And, the little, and she said to the little girl, I bet you want to go home too, don't you? She said, yeah. And she said, you want to go home and get into your pajamas and get into bed? The little girl looked at her. What do you mean, what are pajamas? And the woman said, 
what are pajamas? You don't have pajamas? And she said, no. She said, what do you sleep in? She said, I just take off my clothes and get into bed with the underwear that I had on that day. And then she observed the little girl and she saw their clothes were tattered and, and smudged all over. And she realized that they didn't have money for something as luxurious as pajamas. Whoever thinks that pajamas is luxurious, right? So she looked over at the mother who was a little embarrassed by this. And she said to the mother, would you be kind enough to give me your address? I work for a children's clothing company. I'd like to send her some pajamas. Mm. So the mother wrote down the address. And then the next day she went in and she said to her employee, told them what happened. And he, he said, sure, here, take these pajamas, take these, take these. And she had a big pile going home with. She put them in her apartment and then she started to think, wait a minute, if this one child doesn't have pajamas, I bet there's others. So she started going around to all the merchants and all the manufacturers in her neighborhood. Can you give some pajamas? Can you give some clothes? Can you give some shoes? And she got all her friends to then distribute it to the, all the people. And mm -hmm. this became, they had to get warehouses mm -hmm. for all the clothes that were being donated. This is what I'm talking about. Mm. First, we take care of ourselves, and then we can take care of everyone in the mm. world. Yeah. Because we're no longer seeing them as other. This isn't someone else's child. This isn't someone else's problem. Mm -hmm. They're a child, I'm a child. Or don't believe in that, whatever it is that you believe in. We're all the same. Why shouldn't this child have pajamas to sleep in? Why shouldn't they have enough to eat? Just because it's not my child. Or is it my child? Right? Absolutely. So this is how we slowly start to open embrace. Otherwise, we stay selfish. And then we think, well, oh, why couldn't I get a new car? Right? And recognizing, yeah. Yeah, how lucky we are. Mm -hmm. how, how fortunate we are that we have so much. This is one of the things that I do. This is a very simple practice. I'm aware that, that I'm fortunate. I don't waste a moment of my day thinking otherwise. And I'm also aware that I have the privilege. I'm hungry. I walk into the kitchen, I open the refrigerator, and I find something to eat. I know that there's other people in the world that don't have that luxury. But what am I to do? Not eat because of it, right? Then that would hurt my body. So instead, what I do is when I have the food in front of me, I think of all those people, even though they're faceless who don't have enough to eat, who are going to sleep hungry. And I somehow send them energy from my food, praying that somehow by me taking in nourishment, 
and sending that to them, a little bit of their hunger is alleviated. Mm. That's all I can do. That's all I can do. But you know, I think it's, I think it's enough mm-hmm. sometimes. And then when I can do more, like give to the food bank or raise money for this or that, I do it. Mm-hmm. But every time I sit down, I think, and I even say, please allow some of this energy I'm getting from the food to go to those that have so little. And it yeah. goes back to that Mother Teresa story that you were talking about, yeah. you know, it's exactly. sometimes that recognizing that is enough. We can, you know, just, we send yeah. out the energy, that energy is intention. We're sending That's our intention. Right. And I think that manifests so much, you know, for the other person, you know, for the people that need it, you know, um, yep. you never know that un- the unseen realms, what's really at work sometimes through just those thoughts and actions that you're, you're taking in those moments. That's really beautiful. We know, we know. Mm-hmm. And if there's ever a chance to do anything for someone else, mm-hmm. never miss the opportunity because it won't come back again. Mm-hmm. You got to do it right then. Yeah. yeah. And, and to come back to that notion that there's always enough, no matter the circumstances. Abundance, mm-hmm. not lack. Abundance. Abundance. And you know, the universe seems to do that too. The more you give out, the mm-hmm. more you get back. <laughs> and it's just amazing when that happens. You know, you do the smallest act of kindness for somebody and suddenly you get a windfall. Mm-hmm. And that's not why you did it. But what it shows is that you take one step and the universe takes 12 steps towards you mm-hmm. because they know that this is a generous person. Mm-hmm. And if I take care of them, they will give to other people too. Yeah, I've seen that as well. It's just this boomerang effect. You can it's donate amazing. or give and in these ways. And then, you know, next day it's like you've got that double back, um, whatever yep. it was, or, you know, giving someone um, your time, you know, you get that time back in some way um, as yep. it's, you know, so whatever it is, no matter how you can give in that moment, it's, it's, yeah, it comes back to you always. I think we're always provided for. Um, always. But I, yeah. And then, you know, it, when, go ahead. I was, well, I was just going to say too, how it, you know, that comes back to that root chakra and feeling that safety in the world too. And so really working, you know, I know I've done a lot of work on my own chakras over the years and that root chakra has always been like one that I have to come back to and and just to feel that groundedness. And once I feel that groundedness, that connectedness, the feeling of belonging, the feeling of safety that my, my, um, my needs are provided for, I feel the universe coming in, like in amazing capacities, um, the more I stay balanced in those. So and you know, that's what gives you the strength to continue. Mm-hmm. That's what I think we have to realize. It's a connection. It's mm-hmm. not that we do something and it stops and mm-hmm. then we do something else. There's a, there's a continuum. And the more that we find that we have the energy to give to others, the most powerful. What I was looking for here, um, 
can I read you this little quote? This is one of my favorite quotes from Maya Angelou, right? Maya Angelou. Since time is one immaterial object, which we cannot influence, neither speed up or slow down, add to or diminish, it is an imponderable, valuable gift. Each of us has a few minutes a day or a few hours a week, which we could donate to an old folks home or children's hospital ward. The elderly whose pillows we plumped or whose water pitchers we refill may or may not thank us for our gift. But the gift is upholding the foundation of the universe. Mm. Children to whom we read simple stories may or may not show gratitude, but each boon we give strengthens the pillars of the world. Mm. That is beautiful. So you might not I carry receive... that in my phone mm. because I need to see it on occasions. Mm. Can you imagine doing a simple thing that's the foundation of the universe? Mm-hmm. It's just nothing is lost mm-hmm. that we do good or not. Mm-hmm. It's all a balance. Absolutely. And I uh, I really enjoyed that uh, that quote you just read and just made me think. And and you know when you were talking about how um, every time you eat something, you know you you set an intention to have that you know good nourishing energy be sent to people that are without. Um, yeah that's a very nonlinear way of thinking, right? And that's, you know, and, and you were talking about, you know, in the Maya Angelou quote, how we cannot slow down and we cannot speed up time. And, you know, I know there are people and, you know, I've been one of these people too, that, okay, I don't have enough time to volunteer. I don't have enough time to meditate. I don't have enough time to do yoga. Um, but if we stop thinking in a linear way. That's right we get all that back, you know, like, like, you know, uh, you and Stacy were talking about, you know, with um, donating to, to charities or, you know, giving, giving a couple bucks to the homeless person on the corner or giving money to a food bank or you giving your time. That's right. That comes back to you. If you don't think of it as a linear thing, you know, or if you're not, okay, well, wh- when's my stuff coming? When's my stuff coming? You think about when my stuff is coming, odds are you missed it already, you know, <laughs> but I, I, I just love, um, I love talking about like energy and how, you know, energy it's, it's constant and it's, it's, you know, it, it's, it's what we are made of. It's eternal, you know, and uh, being able to send that good energy anywhere in the universe, anywhere in the universe. And um, I just think that's, that's really amazing. And I've never, you know, I've, I've um, heard of people, you know, praying over their food or, um, you know, thanking God for, for their food. And, but, you know, just, sending that good energy out, you know, yeah. when I eat, maybe somebody will, will be less hungry. I think that was, that was really, that was really, really amazing to me. And yeah, it just made me think that, you know, if we don't think of it in a linear way, then mm-hmm. we don't lose anything. Mm-hmm. So. 
Absolutely. You put it very beautifully. Thank you. It's the more we send out, the more we get. And the, the more, not only the more we get, but the more expanded we are. Mm. We realize that it's not a limited amount of energy. I don't have to be afraid to give you energy that I won't have enough. Because mm -hmm. what I find is the more I give, it just keeps going. Whoa, it just seems to go in and it kind of keeps going. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's the miracle to me. And that, that tells me that we are all one. Mm -hmm. That shows that. Because yeah. if, if my energy, that I say my energy, is the same as your energy, it's just the energy. We're all one. We can't yeah. be any different. Right. It's just the, the outside facade that we relate to instead of the essence of who we are. And if we don't start relating to our essence, we're not going to be here very much longer. Mm -hmm. We really need to start getting this together because mm -hmm. we ha if we don't start loving people really soon, we can see the destruction that it does. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's why for me, writing a book about love and healing was so important. Absolutely. And the namaste effect. Yeah. Such a yeah. beautiful. beautiful. And it, it was, it was funny during the beginning of um, the pandemic when we weren't allowed to touch anybody. So you couldn't shake hands anymore. You couldn't hug. And I said, but we still have namaste. Mm. You can do that. Right. Mm, yes, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. So speaking of, yeah, that love, that oneness and just like creating that love, I'm wondering if you could take us through a meditation or exercise for our listeners. I know you mentioned um, maybe doing something around the heart chakra. That would be That'd beautiful. Be yeah. So everybody just get comfortable. I'm going to read you a bedtime story. Hmm. <laughs> um, and just Whatever that means, whether you're sitting or lying down, whatever it means for you, just become comfortable. Allow the body and mind to quiet. To just become still. Let the body to find a comfortable position and let the mind just, just settle down. You don't have anything to do in the next few minutes. And then feel yourself softening into a deep stillness and peace. The eyes are closed. Take in a few deep breaths and let them out very slowly. And please bring the awareness to the heart center. There, awaiting your awareness, is rolling vortex of energy, hitting a glow vibration of a soft green color, reminiscent of the early spring. This vibration generates outward as the Anahata Chakra. It connects us to the forces of intuition, love, and compassion. Bring the focus to the very center of your heart where the divine love resides. Observe when the heart beats, love flows outward. As the heart rests, love flows back to the heart. With each inhalation, observe the love in the heart deepening. And on the exhalation, allow that love to flow out 
Continue to breathe deeply as you observe the love and expanding to become the size of the heart itself. Inhale and observe the love as it expands, fill the entire body of body filled with love. Inhale and as you exhale, send that love out to someone who may need that loving energy right now. Inhale, the love deepens and on the exhalation, surround them with this love. If there is any message to accompany this love, send it silently, even the simple words, I love you. I care for you. I care if you're well. As you inhale, continue to access the love in your heart. And on the exhalation, allow that love to fill the entire room that you're in. Inhale, the love deepens. Exhale, it flows outward. Allow the love to continue to expand beyond the room. Embrace each flower, tree, and plant on Mother Earth. Continue to expand the love in your heart to all the animals. And that love to all human beings in every land in this Let your love fill dreams and lakes and verse. Well, it merges with the very core of our Mother Earth. Absorb this love offering as Gaia offers this healing energy to all, the entire world. This place of deep love and compassion, choose an affirmation that encourages you to share love with all unconditionally. It could be simple, just when I am in the place of love and oneness, I feel love for all or anything that comes to your heart that expresses those feelings. Use it daily or anytime you wish to initiate a heart opening. Slowly and gently begin to bring the awareness back to your own heart, the origin of this love. Honor it as a source for universal love and compassion. As all love flows from the eternal source, it greatly amplifies when shared. Namaste.
namaste. When I'm in a place of love and oneness, I feel compassion and love for all. Namaste. Namaste. Thank you. That was absolutely beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that with us and taking us through You're that. You're welcome. You know, as I was reading it, I was remembering that if people want to do the chakra meditations, we offer them on our website free mm -hmm. of charge. They could go on and there's a whole list of them and they just, it's, they're all MP3s. Mm. You can just click on it and listen to it and okay. do it along with it. So that's something that's a free offering for everyone. Okay, Great. wonderful. Thank wonderful, well, thank you. And so, um, so kind of speaking, going in that direction, um, tell our listeners where they can find you and what you're currently working on. Where they can find me is at Abundant wellbeing.com mm. or Facebook Nistula Joy Davy. Um, and there's lots of things on the website. We have a free weekly suture that we offer. So there's lots of free things that you can watch and listen to. Mm. And um, what I'm working on now, as I mentioned, is doing the uh, third and fourth pada in the yoga sutras from a more heart-centered perspective mm. rather than the mental, uh, how can we live this in our lives mm. and uh, bring it in there? And that should be coming out next year. It will be called The Secret Power of Yoga after the first book. It will combine mm. the two books together. And uh, very excited about that. Oh, yeah. beautiful. And there's lots of other things. So you can, well, less now than usual, but still there's, there's um, things going on that you can go to and look at. Okay, wonderful. And we will, uh, of course, put your links on our show notes so people can find you, you easily. And so, yeah, so thank you so much for being here with us today and oh, sharing enjoy. your insights and wisdom and love. Um, thank you so much for inviting me. Yeah. What a joy to be with both of you. Thank you. Thank and you. all of the people I can't see. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> And thank you for tuning in and listening to our show. Stay tuned for more episodes being released on Mondays at 5.55 a.m. Mountain Standard Time. And if you like this show, share the love by sharing it with your friends. And if you want to support the work that we're doing, please consider making a donation to our show by visiting our Patreon website at patreon.com forward slash be the love podcast. And until next time, love yourself, love each other and love the world. We love you guys. Thank you. Love you guys. Thank you. Talk to you later. Take care. Thank you. Thank you, Heather Lynn, for providing us with your beautiful song to accompany our show, Be the Love. If you would like to learn more about Heather Lynn and her music, please visit her website at heatherlynnmusic.com. And thank you, Chrissy Grace at Leading Edge Productions for the beautiful design and graphics. And thank you for tuning in. And until next time, we are souls on the journey. And thank you for hopping on the Ascension bus with us. And remember, there is always a seat for you.